determined. I am focused. I am inspired. I am motivated. We are in Four More, a dynamic and collaborative team of four entrepreneurs who inspire and motivate by educating you through fun and interactive channels. Get ready to explore now. Hi, everyone. I want to start off by just taking the time to thank you all for listening to our podcast thus far, and I hope they've been informative and conducive to your life. Um, today, I want to talk about a topic that is uh, near and dear to me. Um, it's the word that some of us fear, some of us embrace, some of us have a love-hate relationship with, but it's risk. Um, as a noun, risk is a situation involving exposure to danger. But a lot of us have been conditioned throughout our life to avoid risk, right? While some of us feel like we want to embrace it more. Um, one thing I want to talk about today is what's that risk-reward balance in your life? And how do you feel when you know, it's time to take a risk or whether the reward is worth the risk or whether you want to be more averse to it and develop this thing called risk aversion where you lean towards your safety net. Um, there's so many ways where we, we see risk today in our lives, in finances, in love, which we talked about last week. Um, but it's really come, it's a word that's come up a lot in our podcast. And I just wanted to hone in on that and just open up the floor. Um, how do you feel about risk? Tim, maybe you could start us off. Yeah, I feel risk to me. It's funny you mentioned that. I don't really say it out loud, but it's something in my subconscious that I think about making decisions, whether it be long-term or even something simple as, like, what am I going to have for dinner? Am I going to venture out and grab something close or nearby or cook at home? So risk really dictates our life without us even thinking about it. Um, I know as we get older, uh, you know, when you're younger, they always say, be there, I have a higher risk. That's why their insurances are more. That's why there's a higher risk of fatalities and doing dangerous. The whole YOLO that kids throw out there, <laughs> that's where you're, you're, the height of your risk is. And as you get older, you learn more, have more experience through routine. Um, you start to reduce your risk. Um, so that way, you know, you're just not as much danger and you already know what the type of rewards are. From a business mm -hmm. point, it's something that we can also, it's not, just to help us out gauge what we need to do and make rational decisions, but it can also hinder your success. I know when we were talking about the fire vessel, Tiger King, um, they were on the extreme end of taking on risk, but it also makes you think in the back end, like, hey, if you're not taking any risk at all, you're not going to be able to get any rewards. So with risk at balance, it's kind of like a tug of war for at least myself of, okay, incurring more risk so that way you can achieve things that you want to achieve and then also dialing it back in when you extended yourself too far. I mean, uh, that's my personal opinion, but I don't know. What do you think, uh, Misha? I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, is that you? Go ahead, and I'll go after you. Well, yeah, I was or. just going to say, um, I agree with what you said, Tim. It, it's, I honestly, I don't think we could have this conversation properly without talking about the psychology um, and background of each individual. I think it's a really relative subject, because when you think about the word risk, I personally believe that there is no reward without any risk. That's just my personal philosophy and that's how I run my life. Although there are certain situations that present itself, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with thinking logically as well, because let's say, you know, you've got $10,000 in your account and that $10,000 has pretty much been sitting there and you don't know when the next profit's going to come around, but then you risk taking a big bet 
and you can't pay your rent, right? So where's the reward in that and being on the street? <laughs> so I think a lot of times it really has to do with what the circumstances, but also how we're conditioned. You know, a lot of how our wealth consciousness works and whatever you're trying to attain, whether it's happiness, has to do with how you've been brought up and how, what's your version of, you know, money and what, what's your version of a successful relationship. And understanding that connection is understanding basically where you stand on a scale of risk aversion. How risky are you, right, on a scale of one to 10? Um, I, I would have to say, just because we were just talking about documentaries, I mean, you bring up Billy McFarland, a creator of Fire Festival. I mean, to me, he absolutely has is not risk averse at all, right? Um, because he did obviously not care about the consequences. He really was just, it, it was okay for him to do a little bit of rule breaking. And that was something that he was okay with. Would I be okay in that situation? Absolutely not. But... <laughs> Okay, mm -hmm. put me in an under circumstance, maybe, you know, maybe something happened in his childhood that we don't know, which made him like not to take risks, right? Um, we don't know that extent of it. So I think it's really interesting, because I think psycholo psychologically, this comes into play with a lot of people. That's why it's case by case basis. Yeah, definitely. And that you brought up a really good point. I think all of us have, have definitely talked about um, different entrepreneurs that are going out there and, and entrepreneurial spirit is really about taking those risks, right? And to me, risk mm -hmm. is a choice. It's a choice that you make, you know, on a daily basis, monthly, you know, yearly basis, but it's really kind of planning strategically, you know, how far are you willing to risk? You talked about that spectrum event and that's so powerful. You know, if I look at myself and, and the way that I've kind of handled it throughout my childhood, I think I was a very risk aversive child. Um, I was very obedient, you know, a people pleaser, always wanted to kind of appease everyone around me. And some of that actually takes a lot of that risk out of the factor because you want to actually, you know, do a good job or you want to actually kind of play by the rules. Um, right. which is really like maintaining the status quo, you know, in exactly. essence, you don't want to ruffle any yeah. feathers, right? I was exactly going to say that. I was like, <laughs> I didn't like to ruffle feathers, but I think whenever I actually got into probably college and uh, when I started my first job, I think it also, who you're surrounding yourself with, right? When you're actually with a lot of people around you that are more ambitious and, uh, you know, have that kind of powerful drive a lot of drive and ambition comes through that, that risk-taking, right? Um, so whether that is in the, in the form of, you know, starting your own business, it could be, you know, taking an, a, an adventurous vacation. You know, like, um, I love I love whitewater rafting. It's something that I really enjoy. It's a thrilling kind of process, but there's a lot of risk involved with that, right? Like, if you don't yeah. know how to swim, if, if that life jacket, you know, comes undone, or if you actually are, are in the midst of a current, um, that can take you down. I mean, no matter how many precautions you take, you know, sometimes it's, it's not enough. So I think that's kind of the risk and reward that Andy was talking mm -hmm. about. But I think it's powerful to actually sometimes like look with deep within yourself and say, hey, listen, like, am I too much on the risky side? Or am I too much on the, I guess, risk aversive side and really kind of realign yourself every now and then. It's, it's, it's an exercise that's powerful that you can do, you know, as you get older, maybe you are becoming more risky, or in some cases, you may have been a very risky child, and now you've become a more risk averse adult. So mm -hmm. it's really interesting to, to contemplate. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really draw, I draw a lot of uh, uh, 
energy from what you guys have been saying. And it's been interesting to hear all your thoughts on risk because, you know, one, you know, my, my scientific logical side is always going to look at quantifying risk. When I was in MBA school, we had to take a, a course called quantitative risk assessment, analysis and assessment. And we have to calculate risk and you have to quantify risk. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that said something really important and very powerful, which is talking about the psychology of risk. Mm -hmm. You can't necessarily quantify everything in your life, right? Mm -hmm. If you live that way, you're going to be a robot. And if a robot makes your decisions, yes. then you don't have freedom freedom to, you don't have your willpower, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you don't have freedom to do what you want to do in your life. Mm -hmm. We're all in, in riskier situations, being mm -hmm. in startup companies and yep. several mm -hmm. of us being co-founders of them. Mm -hmm. it, it makes it it makes it easy for us to say that we had taken that risk, but I think people don't understand what went into making that choice, right? That decision, mm -hmm. like Misha was talking about these decisions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd have to say that a lot of people have this, and this is probably a great segue to another topic we'll have in the future, which is fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you yeah. have yeah. to look at conquering that fear of failure when you're calculating that risk, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have insecurities about these things, and, and we have to really look inwards to say it's more than just a quanti quantity, right? I can't, if I tell you there's a 30% chance yeah. you'll succeed, 30% <laughs> might sound okay. Yeah, it does, right? It's like a short bet to me, Andy. I don't know about that 30%. <laughs> All right, so we know who the gamble is. Yeah, I, just, I, was, I, was, yeah. I was just about to say that. I was like, I am definitely someone that likes to gamble. I'm I'm definitely on that. I'm well, on the stock I'm market. On the, I'm like, on the table. A 50 and auto, exactly. So 30% actually is, is fairly low. <laughs> you know, yeah. in that case, there might be. There might be some people out there, of course, we're probably risky by nature as, as far as oh, yeah. on this podcast, but we might have audience members that think 30% is, is, is too, too crazy and you have to have that risk aversion to be a little bit smaller. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And I'm not trying to bring out the, the riskier side in people and say, sure. go outside right now without a mask and gloves <laughs> and, and yeah. embrace, embrace the risk, you know? No. How many people you can touch? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting because what's really sort of coming into play for me is this wordplay, right? Because when you started talking about the word um, risky, right? Risky sort of takes on a negative connotation. I just don't know what yeah. it is. But when you talk about somebody, let's say if you, as an adjective, it's just, you know, he's being very risky. Um, it just mm -hmm. doesn't take on the most positive, right, undertones. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that person is just not being logical, is not being cautious. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about risk, there's so much involved in risk. Risk is like equal mm -hmm. to the reward, right? And so yeah. I think it's just interesting right now because I think being in a pandemic, it's just so important for us to just sort of neutralize this word of, of risk because let's think about it this way. I mean, we're all in our homes, we're working from home, we're dealing with whatever's outside and the circumstances of uncertainty, right? And even with the current job market, you know, it's almost a risk for somebody to apply to a job. And let's just say there is no protocol for an environment that they would be into that might be risky, right? Even though mm -hmm. the job may offer 401k, you've got your medical, you've got all these benefits. You know, I was reading an article and, and this guy literally, I mean, he's got like four kids and he's got a, a household. And for him, it was a really hard choice. And he said, you know what, mm -hmm. I am on the lookout for a job. I do need a paycheck. But 
you know, I'm going to be very risk averse in the situation because I, I do want a job. I want to make sure that there is a roof over our heads, but I, at mm -hmm. what expense, right? Because there was this beautiful position laid out on the table. And unfortunately they didn't have an infrastructure for his safety. So he didn't feel comfortable. He said, at the end of the day, being risk averse in this situation is going to make me ultimately happier because if I brought, let's say, God forbid, COVID-19 back to my family, what's the cost of that, right? Ultimately. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a good way of kind of yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it because I mean, you know, whenever you're making decisions for yourself, it may impact you to a certain degree, but it may impact your family in a very negative way, right? So I think we have to yeah. also look at this. I always kind of talk about this as well. Like, you know, I definitely want to go outside, I want to get a haircut. Oh my gosh, it's been a long time, you know, <laughs> I want to go to the salon, I want to get pampered. But for me to actually go outside is, is risking someone that maybe is autoimmune, um, you know, deprived or is, is probably not as, as um, you know, they might actually be exposed to corona. Even if I have it, I don't think I have it. I haven't been tested. But I'm actually thinking of it from a non-selfish way that I need to stay indoors just to kind of help the better of society, which I know all of us are practicing that. And I think it also kind of takes that into consideration when it comes to risk, you're making choices not just about yourself, but it impacts a lot of other people out there. So I think you have to kind of look at it from a societal perspective, as opposed to the internal risk that you're actually taking, which can be kind yeah. of synonymous at times, but they can also kind of play, um, they can play in opposite directions, right? You may actually want so to have that risk, but your risk might actually not cause, you know, it might not cause a reward. It might actually cause punishment on the other end of it. Yeah, and the, and the wild thing too about like our society is risk and what we're kind of all saying is risk is really relative and being products of our environment from when we're younger, people can see something very risky and other people don't even, you know, bat an eyelash at. Um, they're like, okay, that's something really easy. Because I know from like a, a business career point, um, I've grew up with two parents that were self-employed. So when I would mm -hmm. talk about starting stuff, it was always supported. Since I was like, mm -hmm. the risk took on a more positive uh, uh, sure. play since it was like, hey, you need to go do something. You need to think of something that you can contribute to because the, you'll get a reward. You'll help out others. You'll get good compensation. Yeah. Don't work for somebody exactly. else. But I know I have a lot of friends, and then also, um, even when I went into college, I studied, you know, had a math background and also finance, and we talked about investment and for corporate financing, how we reduce risk, and then it started mm -hmm. the risk that, that when I was a child that was positive started to have a negative undertone, mm -hmm. because you're like, we need to reduce risk, get risk out of everywhere, but then you have to also, exactly. you can't eliminate all risk, yeah. and when you do, you also eliminated all reward and fulfillment, so it's, I think risk is something that you have to constantly be self-aware of and learn how to relearn because it does get more challenging as you get older. And I always consider myself a, a forced entrepreneur. And what does that mean? Um, it's same as my parents. Like during that time when they started their companies, they didn't really have the time to really build like that safety net. Like Yvette, your guy was mentioning, um, hey, I need a paycheck. Uh, what do I do? Right. I don't have the, the funds to have a, a nice cushion underneath. So Sometimes right. when you see uh, situations like that, like how did they come from out from nowhere to having like a company and employees, the risk was not doing anything at all. <laughs> the risk was nothing was going on and they had to just make it and move and start making things happen, which could even happen applied to like the Tiger King guy. Like if not, if he wasn't going to do anything, do the nine to five, he would lose out on something that he cares about. So risk is something that um, is a constant relearning 
uh, ability and also being um, aware that other people, it's relative. So that way, when you're working, you're building a project or when you're um, even going outside with other people, you have to be aware that somebody might not assess that with the same level of seriousness as yourself. And so that's why you need to be um, aware so you can, you know, either start a business, you don't lose out on your dreams and what you're trying to do. And also from a health point, you're not uh, being oblivious to other people who might not be taking care of themselves. It is very personal. Oh, I'm just saying risk is very personal. I think Yvette and Tim, you were touching on this and it's hard to talk about risk without understanding us as people, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, us yeah. four, when we talk about risk, it's very personal to each of us, right? Mm -hmm. Misha gave her story. I know that you were talking a little bit about your background, Tim. We learn quite a bit about you, and I feel like this is one of those podcasts where when we talk about the subject, you're going to learn about where we came from exactly. because it is relative to us, mm -hmm. right? It's just like when you're in the, and we were talking about dating last week, and I'm thinking about people who are scared to get out there and put themselves out there, not physically out there. I'm saying just meeting somebody, you know, virtually at this point um, to be safe. Again, not take that kind of risk, <laughs> but, you know, you yeah. have to develop a relationship yes. for them, right? Um, and then there's, there's obvious, there's the obvious, you know, other side of it where you could say, well, if I don't, if I don't meet somebody, there's no risk of getting my heart broken, right? I've, I've come Absolutely. from a series of relationships and it, it's hurt so much each time you're, you're out of that relationship. And I think about that too, when it comes to risk. And I also think of the quantitative side of it, um, you know, and I try to calculate things and sometimes I think, you know what? My, my heart knows what's right and, and there's nothing I could put on paper that's going to help me make that decision or not make that decision. I left a very cush executive job to start a company or get into and for, well get up in the get into the startup role. I didn't even have a company at that time mm -hmm. in all honesty. Mm -hmm. um, but I really I really wanted to do this because it was something I was passionate about, but logically it did not make sense. <laughs> Everything was against me, right? Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people who wanted that position. There were a lot of people who would who'd work many more years than me, who couldn't do, who were not qualified enough. And I just, I decided one day, I said, do I want what's best for me? Or do I want, do I want what, what I know is best? Sorry, mm -hmm. I kind of phrased that the wrong way. But no. I said, do I want what, what people think is best mm -hmm. for me? Exactly. Or do I want what I know is best for me? Mm -hmm. And it was very hard because like I said, there was no math that could have proved that I was making no. a better decision. And if anything, I was probably making a much worse decision to put myself at a, at a much higher risk, but now I actually thrive off living life uncomfortable. Like if I'm mm -hmm. if I'm in my comfort zone, I'm not living, and mm -hmm. I feel really yeah. completely it's just not a good feeling yeah. anymore. Yeah, and I think we talked about complacency too. You know, like we don't want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always that that choice, right? Like, should I have done this? If I hadn't done this, what would have happened? And I think what Andy mentioned makes sense. He's definitely talked to me a lot. Of, I always I, I asked that question too to him before we actually started a business together. I was like, what made you leave that cushy job? And he was like, you know, no matter what, as, as many times as I was going into the office, yeah, I was at, you know, a high position. I was very revered, things like that. But he was like, my day-to-day -day just didn't feel like it was impactful. And and that also kind of so put a little important. bit of fire in me to say, hey, listen, like, what you know, uh, in, in passions me, what, what actually like allows me to thrive. And it really is one of those things where you don't know what the next day, you know, brings to the table, but that's, what's exciting about the startup world. Every day is different, right? If you're a routine worker and you like the same job over and over again, 
maybe that's the type of job that you want. But I feel like yeah. the entrepreneurial world is constantly changing. It's evolving. There's a lot of problems and you have to find solutions and, and find those roadblocks and how to actually like, you know, force those barriers. That's actually really powerful and it, it makes us thrive and it makes us better and it makes us more creative. And I feel like we have that ability to get out of the stress quo. When I was before, like I mentioned, when I was young, it was all about the rules, follow the rules, Misha, be obedient. In the startup world, yeah. it's, it's not like you're going rogue, but it's like no one's telling you what to do. You have an end goal and all you need to do is come up with a strategy to get to that end goal. So it's really, really kind of powerful if you think of it from that perspective. I completely you know agree with you, Misha, because I think what you're what you're getting at is it's the difference between short-term gains versus long-term gains. Like I am, I too was sort of that person who would take a job, right? Because you collect a paycheck and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, status quo. I've got the nine to five check mark. Okay, I've got my paycheck bi-weekly. Awesome check mark. Mm -hmm. I've got you know mm -hmm. my insurance check mark. But then later in life, I realized that was no longer working for me, you know, because there weren't any more risks, okay? Every mm -hmm. day became super monotonous. And I started to think about this. In the long-term long frame of view and perspective, mm -hmm. do I want to yeah. see this event today that is working this day job, you know, day in and day out, um, hardly getting anything out of it? Obviously, a job complete because I'd always put all my efforts into any position I, I, you sure. know, I obviously take on. Um, but that, mm -hmm. that's another whole, that's a whole other discussion, right? But I started to think about <laughs> myself and the future self and 10 years from now, would I be happy with the life that I'm currently living? And the answer was no. And so I decided to take a risk. I was in, mm -hmm. you know, the world of corporate matchmaking and there was structure there. I mean, Misha, you, you know, cause we've had a little experience with that. Um, it was exactly. as crazy as it was. It did teach me a lot about the corporate world, but then I realized one thing I said, you know what, this is not really my passion. I love sales, but it's just not my passion. It's not my thing. And so I you know, completely was just sort of in this world of exploration and this world of exploration brought me to a position that was very entry level. I was obviously very overqualified. Um, it was producing gig, but it was slightly creative and it was also you know, gonna utilize a lot of my sales experience. And for some reason, I don't know what it was guys, that day I said, you know what? I'm just gonna mm. put in my application. This is definitely not the salary that I could probably survive mm -hmm. on. But there's so much mm -hmm. about this experience. It was the experience that I was looking for. It was something different. And to this day, mm -hmm. I would say as crazy of a ride it is, it's brought me to where I am right now, which I'm pretty satisfied with. And obviously, you know, yeah. Tim and I work very closely together. And this is this is a venture that Tim has started and brought me into, and I'm really happy about it. So roads yeah. will lead somewhere if you do take that risk. And it was a risk because guess what? The paycheck was very minimal. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know what? Exactly. Being able to go out on Friday nights, okay? But now I can, so it worked out. Yeah, yep. and you know what's funny about that? Um, I was actually a couple of years uh, back. I was actually in Reno at a casino, and I was playing poker, and I was sitting next to this uh, senior gentleman, right? And he was talking. We were talking about risk and like trying to pretend we were Rain Man for just a few seconds while we're there. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible for either of us. Um, and he was mentioning, he's like, you know what? Everyone talks about risk and this and that. And he's like, but you know what really determines risk and what leads it? He's like, it's the other R, it's regret. He's like, regret is really what determines and puts you in the risk. Like, do you want to, as you get older like me, you know, he's like, my generation, you have a lot of friends 
that talk about, oh, if I was younger, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. Sure. Even if it didn't turn mm-hmm. out the best, he's like, you now you know the answer. So regret really to quantify the risk in a lot of these different decisions because we're human. And then, of course, over mm-hmm. that, that game, I lost all my chips. So he also hustled me, too. But that I really liked, I always remember him, that mentioning because that's what I think I subconsciously told yeah. myself that when I was starting different uh, companies and starting mm-hmm. different ventures. I'm like, you know what? I wasn't scared anymore. I'd rather know that I could fail at it versus not know anything. Because when, you know, time, we always try to quantify in dollar amount. But risk can also be quantified in your time and your quality of life. And if you live with a, a lot of regret not knowing, that I don't know. I, I would prefer to say I tried than I didn't with a lot of these different ventures. So um, that's something I always like remember about um, risk is regret. And that's what you reminded me about when you're mentioning that, like, we should take that jump if you can, because... Mm-hmm. I mean, not everyone, and also I come from a, a you know, a privileged, uh, I don't have kids, I don't have to worry about somebody else at the moment. So, I love how you uh, said privilege, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it. a, it's a privilege, because, uh, you know, some, you don't have, you some people's hands are tied. Privileged to have kids, but, you know, it's just right now, yeah. we're, we're independent, and we're, we're, we're loving it right now, so. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know exactly. what, I, I have single parents who hustle it too, and they're, they take on more risk, and, you know, they have their own version of YOLO. Yeah. Exactly. And Tim, I'm glad you shared that. That's actually a, a really good story because I, I know that um, one of my like mentors and, you know, an icon that I look up to is G- Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's, uh, he's not ever really covered him. me. I know. Yeah, I do yeah. love him. It's either you love yeah. him or hate him. But he's actually really big on talking about regret. So I'm glad that you actually yeah. brought that in into the mix because I think I, I introduced him to Andy as well. And we, we listened to him and he always says, he's like, listen, it's never too late to get started with whatever. If you feel that complacency, I mean, is that that's so amazing that you took that, that leap of faith and it actually worked out and you're actually happier now than you were before. But it, had you not have done that, you may not have known what happiness you would have gotten to. You would have maybe been stuck in a position where you didn't know what was on the other side. So I think it's it's so important. And we've done it, you know, early on in our lives. But imagine someone that's 65, 70 right now that, you know, maybe had thought like us, but societally <laughs> or in society, it just wasn't looked at to take risks, exactly. you know, back in the back in the 50s and 60s it was really kind of like put your head down work hard that that was kind of the the mindset there and now we're kind of in a world which is so important where you can actually thrive when you're taking risks you know and and sometimes I, I think we're also in in a position where we don't really care what other people think we're we're actually confident individuals so you know not everyone's going to agree with with the path that we choose and some people actually like expect you to fail if you kind of cross yep. the path or don't follow the, the rules or whatever, but the reward is so much more in, in it. It may not be financially. Most of the time it is financial, but a lot of it is internally um, how you feel within. And if you feel that you have purpose and you have drive and you're helping towards the, a greater, greater cause, I feel like that's even more um, liberating. Yeah, it, it is actually interesting you bring that up because um, I believe Les Brown said this in one of his books that I was reading, but he said, you know, the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Uh, and not to be morbid, I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
stuff going on right now. I want to be sensitive about how I approach this. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, that's it's because you find all these hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, all the books Mm -hmm. that were never written, all the songs that were never sung, you know, all of these, all these cures that were never discovered. Uh, because people were afraid to take that next step, mm-hmm. right? So for me, what scares me most in my life is not trying. Exactly. So like, yeah. I know Misha, you know me personally, yeah. and, and like, you know that if there's anything out there, I'm always, I, I want to try it because I think like after being in corporate so long, I, I did like a 180 and I changed my whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that. there was one, there was a couple people who inspired me to just do things rather than overthink them. Yeah. And there was a brief exactly. stint in my life where I actually started med school because I just wanted to figure out whether I can do it. And it was it was more scary for me not to try it versus to actually just like do it, right? Because I, if I knew that I, I didn't try it, I know I'd look back one day when I'm like, when I'm Absolutely. 60, 70, 80, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, I wonder what would have been if I at least had that opportunity. I may not finish med school, but at least I want to know, could I get in? Could I take the prereqs? Could I take my MCAT several years later can I at least get in can I at least start it mm-hmm. and could it can I at least keep an opening for me and start relationships with people but out of that I started working in the healthcare industry with so many people on an entrepreneurship level I made so many great connections and that that was really part, that was the reason that happened in my life and I didn't see it at the time I'm like well that they waste time you know starting this and trying this out but then I look back and I'm like no I absolutely like all of these connections all these contracts we got even with our company came mm-hmm. from the medical part of world right and right now medicine is so powerful and i think that that's really interesting so there's a reason everything happens in your life i think sometimes we don't see that and it's not clear to us and we think that something was a waste of time or we think dating is a waste of time but we don't realize that all of that stuff adds up to something greater in our life well when you when you're in it i I think that's what you're kind of alluding to when you're in it it's hard it's difficult you doubt yourself there's a lot of self-doubt involved which we haven't really gone into when it comes to risk you know, there, and there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, did I make the right choice? You know, there's a lot of that going back mm-hmm. and forth and going back to what's comfortable, what's safe. You know, there, there are a lot of times where I've even thought that, you know, um, you know, being in mm-hmm. the startup world, sometimes you, you don't get the financials on the front end, right? What Yvette was talking about is mm-hmm. about long-term gains, not short-term. Mm-hmm. So some of those things are, are risky. But if you stick it out mm-hmm. and you kind of understand some of the challenges that you go through and that, that mental toll it takes on you, I think that, you know, if you, if you practice patience and you practice, you know, that, that drive that, hey, listen, I know that this is going to get to a greater good and there's a finish line at the end and you stick it out, I think that a lot of things actually happen on the other end. And I, I'm so glad that we got to a point where three years later, we're within yeah. our company and we're doing well, but I'm not going to lie. When we first started, you know, it was a little bumpy and there's nothing wrong with that. Like if someone were to come to me and say, Hey, Misha, what was it within your company that went wrong or what did, what could you have improved upon? I have a laundry list of things that, that I would you know share with the world that, Hey, these are the things I would improve upon. But that's just what, that I don't look at that as failure. I look at those as learning, you know, learning uh, mechanisms mm-hmm. that we went through. And I think I every, right like everyone goes through that and if someone tells me that in their startup everything went perfectly every single time they're either lying or they're a unicorn (laughs) so i know that everyone (laughs) from bill gates to elon musk to michael dell they all kind of went through a lot of mistakes and challenges but that made them grow and that made them also better leaders i think that it makes you a better leader 
I love how you say this term, practice patience, because anybody listening in today, no matter what educational background you have, you know, it's interesting, mm -hmm. or, or childhood background, societal background, right, for that matter, it's interesting mm -hmm. because we are the products of, you know, how we've been, how we've grown up, essentially. And so, you know, somebody like myself, who's grown up with a single mom, you know, divorced parents, who's always struggling on her own. I mean, she's obviously remarried and happy now. But during, you know, mm -hmm. the majority of my childhood, it was always about, let's take less risks, right? Because, you know, your mom mm -hmm. is working right now, you've got to be a good girl, you've got to do well in yeah. school. And don't think about doing anything that's like extracurricular, like you just have to keep your eye on the bottom line, right? Exactly. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's so much molded me, but the good thing is, is that I was able to break out of that. Now, for a lot of our yeah. listeners, that may be very hard because when you think about our educational infrastructure, it doesn't really put a lot of emphasis on taking risks, okay? Um, you know, when you go in for, let's say, you know, your medical degree, you have an outline of what phase one is, what phase two is, what phase three is, what year four is, what it's gonna look like until, you know, obviously you get to where you are, the destination. But we don't really talk much about the journey and what that looks like because I think yeah. Or macro level, life is just a series of, of taking risks, right? I mean, or making decisions, right? And in each decision, there is a risk, whether it's deciding what to have for dinner, whether it's deciding when to go out to walk your dog, whether it's deciding whether to, you know, transition in your career. So for anybody who's listening, I just love the fact, Misha, that you said something so simple, but so sage-like that practice patience, because, you know, especially now when we're getting a little bit of that time to go inward, we're all just sort of like stop motion for a little bit, at least for most of us, this is that time to really understand, okay, let's go inward. Let's see where my life is right now. Am I taking enough risk or am I taking, you know, en enough risk or am I taking less risk? Should I be taking less risk right now? So I think that really comes into play, you know, right now. Yeah. And that's the funny that you mentioned that as well, because I totally agree uh, through our society and how you're raised, it kind of always reverts. I mean, nobody, no one's parents really want to see, majority at least, want to see their kids struggling. Yeah. So they try to make safety measures right. and we see yeah. that and we're aware of that. So yeah. it does, over time, it ends up creating this uh, inner voice in your head. And I don't know about you, but as someone who started a company or even, you know, did groups and community efforts before, my biggest hater was always uh, myself my inner voice, who would be the one like, no, you yeah. can't do that. No, you can't. You have to learn how, yes, we can be our own haters. Yeah, you have to turn it off because it's true. Um, over, out, and the thing is, it'll start warping your risk to where it's irrational risk. Like, oh, if I make a post and I'm going to promote my business, what do my friends say and all that stuff? And oh, no, that could get negative. And in reality, that's probably not even the case. It's the irrational fear that made your risk level a lot higher. And you have to learn how to like balance that. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't talk about like, hey, your inner thoughts really kill dreams a lot of times and like learning how to balance that and just like shutting it off every once in a while. Because I know I, I'll be freaking out by idea like, nah, that won't work or no, this won't happen because it will cause you to lose money or oh no, this is going to uh, divide the discussion. But I know one thing I practice pretty much every day, especially with Yvette, is we'll pass around like a hundred different ideas today. And what I realized when I'm talking it out it's not anything of what my inner mind predicted. It's like when we start mentioning to people or talking like, oh, okay, that sounds like a great idea. How, how do I buy in? I'm invested in your idea. And you find out yeah. that, oh, my, my risk was irrational. So for a lot of people that are listening, really understand that you, sometimes you can be your biggest uh, 
hater. It's just making simple terms. Yes. But it, mm-hmm. it can stop yeah. you from like making that first step forward. I love it. Yeah, one of the things one of the things I wanted to add to that is like when it came to understanding risk, like Tim was saying this on a on a smaller like I not a smaller level, but on a on an internal level within his organization. But I think of like risk among other organizations as well. So a lot of times my meetings are, you know, within other CXO level uh, employee or startup co-founders. And we talk about different risks that they have taken. And sometimes like in order to understand whether your risk is even viable, you you talk to them and they've already might've already crossed mm-hmm. that path or done that. And for them, it was yeah. a joke. And you're worrying about, sometimes we spend so much time beating ourselves up and we worry about it. And it's like, and that, that's a great way. I think that, that you guys have a great system where you could pass ideas uh, amongst your organization. Even like within organizations, it's good to just talk to other people and have good mentors. A lot of people have done things that you've done many years ago and they could talk to you about it. And some, you know, the, I think as long as they're willing to help you and work with you and they're positive people, they're going to help you. Whether it was definitely a big risk for them and they found a way to mitigate that and they found a way around it that's fine. They'll tell it to you like it is, but at least it gives you, I think it gives me hope at least to find people who have done things. I always try to surround myself okay. with people who are go-getters who keep doing things mm-hmm. because if I surround myself with people who are scared, I'm going to actually go the other direction. I'm going to start to like close the doors to the company and start to well, work back. Well, it's funny because, yeah. When, when Andy mentions that, like, I mean, Tim, you were even talking about you're sometimes your worst critic. And I feel like sometimes some of your deepest, darkest, like, fears that are coming out, whether it's in the, the business world or elsewhere, um, sometimes you don't bring it out to the table to see how other people are going to react, right? Because that's exactly. coming out of an insecurity. So I feel like, you know, what Andy mentioned, and we do talk to a lot of clients that have been doing things for, for a long time, and it just doesn't work out. And it's like, why have you not changed? Why have you not pivoted? you know, what, what are your obstacles? We always kind of challenge those pain points. And some people just don't have that, that broad net, you know, wealth of, of the network to actually talk to other people because they're fearing how they'll be perceived out there. So yeah, I think what's that's the risk challenge. of looking silly, right? I mean, that's exactly, exactly what it is. What I'm going to be yeah, risking, you know, my personal judgments here. Yeah. On, on exactly. Table. And when you're, so. when you're starting an organization, I think that you have a lot to prove, right? You have, you feel like, you know, if you, if it's an established corporation that you're a part of, that builds that brand loyalty and that brand reputation with you. But when you're starting something from scratch, you're really kind of like on your own, right? So you're trying to establish, you're mm-hmm. like that little, that little company versus like the big conglomerate. So I, I do yeah. understand that from a psychological level that you have to kind of like put up some type of like front that, hey, I, I got this, I know what I'm doing. But on the back end, I would have to say like sometimes you know, asking those questions to the right people. Like you have to also understand that you have to get mentors to whom you trust a lot and be able to get some of that stuff out because it could also save you an extra two years, right? If you're doing something over and over again, it's not working. Maybe you should reach out to someone to, to, yeah, to be able to understand it and it might shave off two years of of kind of like heartache and a lot of money, you know, spent and a lot of time. Like we talk about time is, of the essence and time is key. That's yeah. like our biggest uh, currency. I think even to add to yeah. that, ask people questions, but also 
have a have a time frame where you're actually going to be decisive about things because sometimes you could ask yes. a question to 50 different people and you'll get 50 different answers you'll have <laughs> no idea what you're right? yeah. you have, you have to yeah. have give yourself a, an opportunity to say okay i'm going to ask a few people i truly trust but yeah. i'm going to go and do it right if i thought about for example we were bringing up the tiger king right if i brought up a always Exactly. It's so it's so, so timely. <laughs> what everyone's doing during quarantine, whether you want to admit it or not, <laughs> you are all watching Joe Exotic. Nothing I know. I'm taking the yeah. risk and admitting that I've watched it like four times by now. Just took the risk. Four times. Wow. All right. That might be it. Yeah, awesome. I'm sure a couple of our, our listeners have you beat a bad. So don't probably. Feel bad. probably. Um, but, but really, if you if you think about the process, I was even just putting that out there, Demisha said, if you think about the process of how to run for governor, I'd probably think about this for a long time, ask a lot of people, overthink it, feel like mm -hmm. I'm not qualified. Yeah. If I just decided I'm going to run for governor and go to the Walmart sporting goods section and find a guy who works there to be my <laughs> campaign manager, <laughs> and, and end up third, and, and mind you, end up third in the race. In Oklahoma, yeah. In a state. <laughs> truly impressive right i mean that's what we talked about oh, yeah. this is something we talked about last week where tim was talking about having that childlike mentality of not overthinking or figure or like you know or just trying to overdwelling yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and not worrying about the consequences mm -hmm. or what's going to happen in the end just go and do it just nike right just do it right yes. <laughs> well i also okay so let, let's take this a step back. It's great to take those risks, but also known when to mm -hmm. retract as well. You don't want to keep falling down a you know a steep slope and then right. not really being realistic about it too. There are some times where you take that risk and it's great. You learn from that experience. If it's not working out, know when mm -hmm. to kind of pull back too. So I, I don't, I mean, Joe Exotic is, is really entertaining I'm by all means. I'm not encouraging everyone to run for governor. Don't worry. Yeah, but I, I think also yeah. it's kind of one of those things where he stopped the political kind of you know shindig after you know he lost which is great hopefully he learned something out of it but he didn't keep going through it so it yeah. is one of those things yeah. where you have to kind of like you have to learn. also be self-aware yeah i think the self-aware part but i also wanted to yeah. bring up because we're talking about risk aversion and it brings me back to a movie it was it was a really funny movie it was called the heartbreak kid with ben stiller and Mullen. Ackerman, do you guys know? Do you I've remember never that seen movie? it. Always, I, I've always wanted to see it. I've just mm -hmm. never seen it. Yeah, it's one of those movies. Uh, like I, I love Ben Stiller. I think he's really funny. But just yeah, to kind of bring this back to risk aversion, um, his job was a risk assessment manager. So his job mm -hmm. in life was to really kind of figure out, you know, how much risk is this investment going to be? How much risk is going to be perceived with other businesses? So that was kind of his job. Mm. And he was so miserable. He was in a marriage that was failing. You know, he was about to get a divorce. He found out his wife was cheating on him. And when he started kind of like, he took it to the extreme. He was like, I'm not happy. Like, I need to, you know, change things up. And then he met this woman and she wasn't exactly who she had said she was. It was kind of like a little bit of a scam job. It's a funny movie. But he also realized that his 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 risk aversion, once it, you know, kind of came down, his life kind of brightened up. Now, of course, he, he got into some hairy situations, but there is something. <laughs> I know Andy's like laughing at me. <laughs> I oh, no. But, oh, no. no. <laughs> Don't stop. But, Keep talking. but there is something there there is something to think about is like, you know, if you don't take that that other side of it and if you don't kind of 
put your guard down, you may not know how happy you can get on the other side. So I just thought that was a really funny movie. If you haven't checked it out, definitely watch it. I'm, I'm really only funny. laughing, guys, because, <laughs> because that, the movie is actually Along Came Polly. No, it's called, uh, oh, I just looked it up. No. It's sure? Yeah, you know, no, it's it's all, I promise you, it's really? Have you guys seen that? Oh, Have you guys Maybe seen my movie, movie with, knowledge uh, is crazy. <laughs> Have you guys seen the movie with Jim Carrey where I think it's called Yes Man and he's actually like a a loan processor at the bank and he basically he I don't know what happens but he can at one point he uh, just can say yes to every question so um, he starts approving all of these business loans like yes 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 (laughs) no matter what proposals and of course yeah I've seen that one too. Yeah, it that's what we really need right great. now, guys, it's, not to be political, gets, but that's what we need. Okay. Yeah, yeah and then that's it gets really, really crazy. And then at the end, he learned, how, oh, you need to have a balance. But it's kind of true what you're saying, like, I, with risk in life, it's it's a journey. It goes through different stages. All the people that I've looked up to, whether it's family or someone famous or even uh, a colleague on what they're doing and the skills that they have, it's not their first, that's not their final destination or that's not their first attempt. They've failed. They learned how to have that that skill, which I've learned as well. I mean, this is not my first venture starting a company. I've worked on other stuff and it didn't work that great. So I learned to say, okay, I need to let go and then move on to something else or I lost interest. But that's one big key too that kind of goes in with risk. It's like regret, you have risk, and then you also need to learn uh, pivoting. You can't hold on to something if it's just not working out. And also, sure. like, that's not the only thing that defines you. You don't need to hold on to it if it's dragging you in the dirt. You can pivot and try something else, and you take that life lesson that you got from that experience and then use it to reframe something that's even bigger and better. Yeah. Well, I, I really like that. I mean, can... I, I think comparing it to, you know, riding a bicycle, eventually the wheels are going to come off, right, if you really want to run oh. the full – bike the full mile. And so – Tim, I mean, you're, you're talking a lot about positivity and how it's, you know, pivoting and transitioning, how many choices we have. But how about those people who are listening who don't feel like they have many choices and they struggle with fear on a daily basis and anxiety, which can trap you, right? How do you get yeah. all around learning how to take risks and when to do them? Like, is there sort of a blueprint for this? I mean, this is obviously a very generalized question, but all of us in this virtual room I would say just from knowing everybody is, is pretty on a scale. I think we have a healthy balance of taking risks. I think we're very, all, all yeah. very confident people, but we also don't have that sense of fear as much as, you know, obviously we're all fearful. We have anxieties, but there are some people mm-hmm. on the scale who, you know, anxiety has taken over their life. Fear has taken over their life. So what would you say to somebody like that who's listening and says, okay, well, I don't know. I'm even fearful of like walking outside right now, let alone making a career transition. What do I do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would just say like for, I, I would just quickly say, like, um, forgive yourself, like, accept your flaws. I know I, I'm, I can take balance risks, but that's definitely not how I started. I was uh, definitely believe in fear, and that stopped me from starting even sooner uh, and realize that I do have options. But, you know, it's okay to accept that you might not be the smartest person at uh, a skill set. You might not have the best skills. You might be the last person that should be trying out that venture or reaching out to that person. But forgiving yourself and accepting, okay, this is – who I am being self-aware and understanding it's okay to fail because just like people you look up to and people that you think are doing better, the reason why they're so good is they failed many times. I know one thing I always talk with Yvette and we talk to people when we're training sales and business development, the person with the most no's gets the most yes. So you have to be okay uh, just forgiving yourself, learning where you're, this is where I'm starting and being okay with failure. And once you overcome that first hurdle, then you kind of take those blindfolds off and you're able to see like, oh, there's options. I can, I have that, um, 
that urge to reach out to somebody to get something the ball rolling. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, Tim, on a daily basis, you know this, I'm always trying to build confidence in the sales team and making sure that they understand that the risks will pay off. And something that I'm known to use is, what's the worst that can happen? Is the person going to come through the phone and grab your head off? No. Yeah. The worst is that the, they can say, no, this is not a good fit currently for where I am. And so we do, part of our training has to do with taking that leap of faith, okay? Um, the first day that we start off people, especially since they're not going to be on the phone, just more about a mentality that we're building versus, you know, even talking about strategy and sales. It's building that mindset because I do agree. I think even beyond taking risk, it's the fear of failure. You know, it's the fear of the outcome, right? It's I have to live with this for a very long time. How do I live with that? And I think that, you know, the struggle is real for a lot of people, especially people listening who, you know, yeah, sure, they can take the risk. But then what about the outcome? How do you how do you deal with the outcome? Right. In, in a yeah. sane way. And so a lot of people, at least, you know, in sales and in, in when I'm dealing with training, they're very hard on themselves because they're, it's so much outcome based. Like we've got to get to quota. Right. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure we got a deal on the table because it's sales at the end of the day. But something that I think mm -hmm. I do well in mitigating that is helping them to build that mentality that, yes, you may fail. Every person that day may hate you on the phone, but you're also going to encounter every once in a while. And I would like to say frequently because you're going to build up to that somebody who picks up the phone and because you call them, you brighten up their day. That was the best phone call they've ever received in their lives. And mm -hmm. that's making you, you know, understand that sometimes taking that risk is so much more of a reward right um and helping somebody mm -hmm. that we can especially with our campaigns somebody who's just going to really take a li liking to it because yes even picking up the phone and talking to somebody you know is taking a risk right you're putting yourself yourself out there so i think it's really more about the outcome i think that the fear in the outcome if we, but if we have and embrace this mindset like misha you were talking about you know this which i think i'm going to just write down and make into a bumper stick sticker which is practice patience <laughs> i absolutely love it um, mm -hmm. because it, it, and not to be too Zen-like and, you know, all about Buddha, but it is practicing patience. Anything that you do does take time mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it, and, but the risk will pay off eventually. Right. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and Tim, I, I really liked how you said, forgive yourself. I think that's actually a really, I, I mean, I'm going to take that little nugget of information as well, because I think, you know, yeah. that you and I come from a sales and marketing and business development, you know, background. And I feel like you're constantly trying to sell yourself, right? Like that uh -huh. might be your, your, your job, your title, but you're also selling yourself in a lot of different capacities in life right like when you're actually dating someone and and establishing that relationship you are essentially selling yourself oh, yeah. to that other person right so i think that when it comes to, to sales i i really do agree with you sometimes it's not like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get that transactional sale right we have that quota mm -hmm. to attain we got to get that person but really mm -hmm. where i've seen a lot of the success behind it yeah you might miss your quota a couple of couple of months here and there, but have you established that relationship and have you built that trust with the client? And at the end of the day, exactly. I definitely have seen that. I've seen like, you know, kind of like you said, picking up the phone and not making it super, you know, salesy. I hate to say it, but kind of like a used car salesman. You actually purchase <laughs> exactly. and buy from someone. Yeah, you buy from someone that you trust and you like, you know, no matter whether your services are, are more expensive than the, the competitor. I had had so many people in my previous roles where 
they actually went with us and it wasn't necessary. We were the, the least expensive. It was really that they trusted me and I established Absolutely. that relationship. So I think that's also the key and in, in kind of the, the risk taking that we're talking about. And I think that we're also not telling everyone that they have to, you know, take that leap of faith that we did when it comes to the business world. Because I do understand there are some people out there in situations where they can't do that, right? They're, they're actually living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, they might have come across some external situations that don't allow them to take that risk on, on that level, right? But mm -hmm. we can take risks on a smaller scale as well. So I think it's important to think about risks on all different facets. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a professional or a career perspective, but just taking a small risk to say that, hey, listen, today I might skip, you know, eating a couple of donuts and go for a walk or, you know, I might hit I the gym it. a little bit harder today. I, I think, you know, you have to kind of look at it from an all-faceted perspective as opposed to kind of pinpoint it to you got to take those big risks like if you go to the casino you need to put a thousand dollars on you know yeah. on black <laughs> you know yeah but we, don't, we don't want to make it so extreme everyone speaking of you know i'm thinking of las vegas right now and it's just reopening <laughs> and how much maybe that's a risk for people walking through the casinos right now you know with, with not having any mm -hmm. safety protocol in place and um it's a little worrying yeah. guys and i love crazy. las vegas that's, you know it's close <laughs> to my heart near and dear i've been there maybe like you know six or seven times and i absolutely love it and, I, and, and you know i tend to go back but it is that risk, right? We talk a lot about risk. And it's just interesting how, you know, it's about to reopen. And I think the plans are from the last I've heard is that there's really no safety for employees who are actually in this, you know, recycled air container, basically known as a, as a casino. And so what do we do about that? Right. Um, oh, oh my gosh. When you're, you're bringing up Las Vegas, I am craving going to <laughs> Vegas, but also hey. I love the blackjack table. Oh. And I was actually telling oh. Andy, I was like, are people going to wear masks and am I going to have to wear gloves when I, when I touch yeah. those chips? But like, it's so <laughs> weird and bizarre to think that. Well, you're going to need a whole gloves. lot of gloves if you're, unless you're just playing one game. I'm, I'm assuming, assuming you're like many people that, you know, just sort of migrate to many different games. And so they're going to need a bunch of gloves in their pocket. I don't know the sanitation, yeah, the sanitation process behind that. I mean, when you look at everyday things, right, when we go on vacation versus we go to the, the dentist, whether we go to, you know, the mall, like, what are all the points of, like, touching and how is that going to impact us going forward? Three months ago, I didn't even think of these things, right? I just kind mm -hmm. of had normal life. But I am going to start looking at all the points of, of people touching and being in the process of breathing in a certain element. And it's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see what people do. Uh, I, th I think you need to look at balance when you think of all of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? There's yeah. a lot of things that we covered today on, on this podcast. We talked about, you know, taking extreme risks and, mm -hmm. and taking really small risks and just mm -hmm. calculating the risk reward balance of everything. Um, and it, it, it has that meaning to you, right? I don't think you could necessarily quantify it. In some places you could. Obviously, if you're gambling, you know, there's, there's odds there. But when it comes to, you know, daily things, like we should talk about exercise, and I come from a personal training background as well. You know, is it, if it's, okay, it's, it's actually really conducive for you to be exercising right now. And I know it's harder and it's different, 
but if you try an at-home workout, maybe you're going to really fall in love with it. And maybe that, exactly. that risk of trying it makes you, makes you not want to even get into it because you're thinking, oh, well, my gym's going to open in a few weeks or I'll be able to go out. Everything will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. There's a risk that it might not, right? There's mm-hmm. always a chance. Yep. And then you're at some point, you're going to have to yeah. learn to balance with everything. If you really like gambling, there's going to be, you know, that decision you have to make. Are the casinos safe enough for me to go out there? You know, is yeah. it is it a good idea for me to try getting a new job right now? You know, should I be able yeah. to get benefits in some way, shape, or form? I think you have to just think of all of the factors associated with risk in your life and see how it applies to you personally, because it is a very personal subject. I think that's, that's one thing that we've touched upon throughout this podcast. So I highly recommend people just kind of look inward when it comes to that. There has to be a balance. I believe in yin and yang. And as long as you could maintain that balance, I believe that you'll be very satisfied with the risks you take. And it has to start small and you have to work its way to a place that you feel good about. Yeah, you don't want to be a yes man or a Jim Carrey. Um, because trust me, the feeling of losing <laughs> all, the time, all of my chips and my spending money in Vegas, that regret triumphs the regret of having the experience. So, I mean, <clears> really, the whole point was like learning balance and understanding you don't want to be on the opposite sides of the of a polar spectrum you don't want to be a, a naysayer that's not going to take one foot out the door but you also don't want to be a yes man because risk is also our internal aka um, billy mcfarland who takes all the risks exactly. in the world and does Which not care about he needs to <laughs> practice patience but yeah. that's the issue because risk also is a survival mechanism that's why we don't walk across uh, uh, walk through a, a bonfire because we know it'll burn us. We don't put our hand on the stove because we know the risk for that. We know that things can uh, injure us. So just take, I think, relative and like really understand like what levels of regret would you have? Hey, the regret of one small experience, but then the regret could be like you lose everything and it's a certainty that that could happen, then don't do that decision. But if there's a, something else that you can balance out and rationalize a little bit better, then do that decision. So really, there's no really yes or no for every single person because every person's opinion could be different but just really understanding of what you can do and what, how flexible you are in certain situations is key and use risk as a positive light and more of an insight versus a hindrance. I completely I agree. I love uh, it too. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, sentiment and you shared and on that note, I, I'd like to conclude our podcast for today. I want to thank you all for listening and I hope you enjoyed learning about risk and reward and the risk reward balance. All right. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Bye, guys. See ya. Join us next week as you continue your exploration with us. Make sure to follow, like, and comment on Instagram. Find us at hashtag explore more.